Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. If uh, you are joining us as a guest, this is your first time visiting with us uh, through our live stream. We just want to say first, welcome. Welcome to Gospel Community Church. Our church's mission statement is to make Jesus the hero. And we believe that's something that uh, that we do not just on Sunday mornings with preaching and teaching, but in all of life. And so if, if you are joining um, as a guest, this is your first time visiting, whether you are Christian or uh, not, uh, wherever you stand, we just want you to know that we're honored that you are joining in and listening this morning. So I'm up here first just to do a few announcements, and then I'm going to turn it over to Ronnie. So first, I just want to say uh, a big thanks to our worship team, but also to Hunter and Nathan for all the work they've been doing uh, with the worship and all the recording and stuff. I know the team was here till almost midnight on Thursday this week. So a big thanks to those guys. When you guys uh, uh, see them or talk to them, please encourage them. Please thank them for this, uh, for serving the church in this way. So also, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, giving and where we're at. Um, if you are part of the GCC family, then, then this is specific to us right now. I'd say that uh, just so you guys know, uh, we worked out a deal with the DAC and paid for an entire year up front at the beginning of this year to cover us through 2020. What the DAC has agreed to do is every month that we're not meeting, there in 2020 is they will give us uh, those months in 2021. And so just so you guys know, we're not losing um, those finances. We're not losing that money there. We've we've worked uh, that with them uh, going forward into 2021. So with that, I want to say this. Uh, I'm encouraged by our church's giving. Uh, people have asked if there's been a fall, uh, a fall off or anything like that. And I'm really encouraged. Um, through the church's giving and through the way that uh, that the church has stepped up and even people who are able to. And I would just encourage you guys, if you are able to, um, we don't give to get something from God, gain extra approval or acceptance. We give because we understand all that God has given us in Christ Jesus. And so I would encourage you guys, if you're able, um, please continue to give. Even give uh, to the uh, benevolence page because on that, uh, 100% of the proceeds from that go toward helping people in need, whether in our community or small businesses, whatever. And so uh, there's three ways you can give. The Church Center app is the kind of quickest, easiest way. If you're normally a cash giver, you can give that way. You can give online, gccugene.org, and there's a give tab. You can give that way as well, and even set up reoccurring giving. The last way is if you're someone that still writes a check, you can still do that. Um, post office box 41864, Eugene, Oregon, 97404. I believe it's on your screen. Make checks payable to GCC. So. That's it. Our gospels, uh, gospel communities are going to be taking a break for the summertime. But just as, a, as an encouragement, I know for me in this kind of weird season that we all find ourselves in, is I feel closer to my gospel community now than I ever have before. And I feel like we've had um, just great community and connection during this time. And so I'm thankful for that. And kind of transitioning into talking about that, because right now there's a, there's a lot of confusion um, with what's going on. Uh, those of you guys that are familiar with uh, what the president just announced, but also some uh, recent events that have happened between the Baker County judge and also our governor. And so let me say this, um, because I know there's questions and I know there's confusion and all that sort of stuff, is that first and foremost, my prayer for our church community is that we keep the main thing the main thing, so that we keep the gospel at the center, that we make Jesus the hero. Because here's the reality. Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, look, there's, there's rulers, there's authorities, and there's principalities that are against us. But before that, he says, it's not flesh and blood. And I think in these times, we see that everyone has a difference of opinion, that everyone thinks that their way is right. And what I would encourage us, because Jesus had a zealot on his team, and he also had a tax collector on his team. But the thing that united them was the gospel, was Jesus Christ. So let's remember to keep the gospel the main thing, the main thing during this time. To know that Jesus didn't come to overthrow a government, but he came actually to 
overthrow a greater threat to us and, and, and to purchase for us life and salvation. So let's remember that as a community. Let's engage humbly in discussions as we talk with people. But here's where we're at kind of moving forward is this week we'll be talking with the DAC about uh, what the possibilities of reopening look like. It's a little bit different for us since we rent from them. And so we have to talk with them, uh, see what they're comfortable with and see what decisions need to be made there. Um, uh, there's a lot that goes into it, just so you guys know, with kids, uh, with, with the six foot distancing rules and stuff like that. So we're just trying to carefully and cautiously work through this. I would encourage you guys to also do this. One of the greatest ways, I, I mean this, that you can help us in this time is to pray. Um, the, the apostles, whenever they were uh, pressed in Acts 4, uh, and, and told not to declare the name of Jesus. Their first move when they all went back together was to pray, and they prayed two words, Sovereign Lord. Those are the first words. And so let's pray to the Sovereign Lord who's in control during this time and during the season. And I would say a couple last things. What's going on for us right now it is not special to Christians. And so I think to make this as something as though Christians are suffering this like intense persecution or suffering or something, I just don't think that's accurate. The, the, our, our world globally is, is in lockdown. Uh, there's shelter in places going on. This is not something that's specific to Christians. And it's also not something that's preventing us from sharing the gospel. We're doing that. Ronnie's getting ready to do that now. And so let's keep that in mind. I know, uh, even as an introvert, Ronnie is uh, as well, that we long to meet with the saints. I don't like talking to the camera. I don't like engaging this way. We want to be back together. Uh, we don't believe that live stream is the way that the church should function um, because what the saints should be doing is gathering together because together collectively we reflect who Christ is to the world. And so I long for that day. Please know that. Um, and and uh, I know Ronnie does too. And, and we long to be back together at the DAC. So just please stay tuned. Please keep praying for us. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys are on uh, just our hearts and our prayers through this time, through this season. So I'll turn it over to Ronnie. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. Well, good morning. My name is Ronnie. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a member of Gospel Community Church, and it's my privilege and honor to bring you God's Word today. Um, as Rick said, the whole aim and goal of Gospel Community Church is to make Jesus a hero. And I, I was thinking about this. That's a very, it's a very timely, in our current cinematic era, I say this is like the era of the superhero movies. For the last 10 years, it kind of has been, except for the last seven months, maybe. There hasn't been really any new movies, but... We tend to live vicariously through these heroes, even want to emulate them in our own lives in a lot of ways. But the truth is, the longer you live, the more you see that we're not the hero through our sins, our failures, our ability to measure up to where we think we should be in life. And, and the whole aim and goal of Gospel Community Church is to point to the real and true hero of all of human history, which is Jesus Christ. So that's, that's our goal here. Before we dive into the sermon, uh, during this difficult time, it is important to still have a sense of humor, and, and, and so we've been doing something called a minute of memes, and so I think Nathan is going to bring some up on, on the screen, and if I got the ordering correct, I think the first one is a Zoom meeting, where I think that's an employee saying, the show is boring, and the boss, of course, reminding them uh, that this is a Zoom conference. The next one is the Tower of Pisa. No, no, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. Uh, the teacher, the parents. Ah, yeah. So those of you who are homeschooling now probably have received this from your kids. They're like, that's not the way my teacher does it. <laughs> it's like, look at me. I am the teacher now. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we had to throw in another Lord of the Rings uh, meme and keep it going with the isolation of smog. With, the, of course, the Lysol can and the hordes of toilet paper. Uh, this one was funny. I, <laughs> I picked this one out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 
I, you know, honestly, I, I feel terrible for the class of 2020. And I, I work as a recruiter in the high schools, and I have at, at least five students that are seniors that I've enlisted. And I've been talking with them recently, and my wife has even done something special for them. But this is kind of funny. Um, the senior pictures. And then, is that the pastor's one watching himself on the live stream? I just imagine this is Rick every single Sunday. <laughs> I also know he's a fan of Friends, so this this is perfect for him. And then we don't we don't really have a balcony at the deck, but for those of you that like to sit in the back, I'm sure you find some way to make yourself comfortable at home, make the experience more real. Okay, <clears throat> so that's the minute of memes. Um, we as a church, have been going through a series entitled uh, Saints in Society. And we've been looking at how to live as God's people on earth and been doing that through the book, uh, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians. To last couple weeks, we've been looking at sex and marriage, and today we're focusing in on singleness and some other things in the context of chapter 7. Uh, one thing that I would let you guys know and remind you is that there is a phone number. Is it right here? Yes, okay, so there's a phone number up on the screen that you can actually text in any questions. And of course, uh, they'll be filtered, but if you, if you try to keep them along the theme of singleness, questions regarding singleness, how to live as a single Christian, uh, we are going to have a Q&A at the end of this sermon. So it'll be a great time for those of you that may have questions about that to send in some questions as I'm going through the sermon. And I'll try to uh, give a quick reminder as we wrap things up at the end as well. So... Rick left off last week in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, and we're picking up in 1 Corinthians 7, 6 through 9, and then 17 through 35. And just to be clear, we're not skipping any passages. We don't want to skip over something that may be difficult or, or whatever, but I think that 6 through 9 and 17 to 35 tie together really well in this idea of living as a single Christian. And this finds itself in the larger context of chapter 7, which is, uh, appears to be a section on marriage. I would say more so it's about our freedom in Christ and, and the way in which we live. So we will read the verses and we'll dive in. 1 Corinthians 7, 6 through 9. Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And then 1 Corinthians 17 through 35. Uh, a long section. I'll try to go quickly. Uh, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised, let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which God, in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let, there let them, him remain with God. Now, concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. 
And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know this can be a, a difficult subject, just as the last couple have been in regards to our relationships with, un, with one another, uh, especially when it's concerning some of the most intimate. And I know that there are many people that are longing for marriage that may see singleness as a curse, uh, as something not to rejoice over. And there are people who are married who see their situation as the same thing. And I pray that we would all learn to live in the sufficiency of the grace that Christ has given us that we wouldn't long for any particular status in life, whether it be financial or marital, but that we could live sufficiently and grow daily in reflecting Christ's sufficiency and trust and dependence on God. I pray that you would grow and develop that in us and pray that we could live in the freedom that God has given us in his gospel. We love you, God. We thank you for this time. We long to meet one another in person, but pray that you would go uh, throughout this week, living and moving in the lives of the saints. And it is your name we pray. Amen. So first thing in, in verses 6 and 7, I would say just a couple things to be aware of as we dive into this passage. First, in 6 and 7, Paul three times tries to make it clear that he's not giving any kind of command or trying to lay up any kind of burden on the church. Um, he says now is a concession. That's one. It, it, explicitly, he is saying, this is not a command. Then he says, um, oh, I'm sorry, implicitly, but then explicitly he says, not a command. And then he says, I wish. So clearly this is not a burden that he's throwing upon anybody in the church, but this is his good and godly wisdom as an apostle of Jesus Christ and one who is empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak. So he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. And what does that mean? Well, you read down further in the passage, he means single, not married, not betrothed uh, to anyone, but single. And it makes you wonder, why would Paul wish this on any believer? Considering even in our current context, uh, statistically, by the age of 70, over 95% of the population has been married at least once. So 60 years after the sexual revolution in America, it's still an extremely popular idea. So, and even if you look and you move throughout scriptures, there's verses like Proverbs 18.22 that says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. In Genesis 2, you have God telling us, therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, that it's not good that man should be alone. And then, of course, you have the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, ties marriage in a mysterious way to the connection that Christ has with the church, saying that it's a reflection of that love that he had for the bride of Christ. So it's curious that Paul would say this now. And I think the surrounding verses give context and meaning to what Paul is actually charging the Corinthians with here. Um, also, 
looking at verse 7, I think another really important thing, which is funny, as I was walking in here today, I, uh, some of the people were discussing this idea already. So it's good to know that people in the church already kind of understand this or are talking about this. But I honestly think when Paul says that there are some in verse 7 of, that have one gift from God and some who have another gift from God, it, it's my conviction that if you have a desire, a strong desire to be married, to find a spouse, I don't think God has given you the gift of singleness, but he has, I, I absolutely think he's gifted you with a time of singleness. And, and there is great joy in that. We'll explore that a little later as Paul dives into that. And, and I can um, attest to that as somebody who's been married for quite a while. That there, there's, there's joy and there's blessedness in both. And Paul explores that in this text. So he's describing singleness as a gift. If it feels like a curse, then I don't believe you have the gift of singleness. And there's nothing wrong with being single and pursuing a spouse. Uh, Peter, the apostle, was married. Uh, if you didn't know that, look uh, Mark eight, Mark, or I'm sorry, Matthew eight, Mark one, and Luke four. He was married. And there's nothing especially holy about remaining chaste. You know, in other parts of scripture, we have Paul coming against secular and pagan ideologies where he's quoting different philosophers or different ideas and rhetoric that's being thrown around in the culture. Actually, in the beginning of verse uh, chapter 7, we have him do this again. He says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That is not scripture. That is not Paul quoting scripture. That is him coming against the pagan ideologies. Actually, some Bible translations take that last word woman and translate it wife. So it's saying it's not good for a man to have sex with his wife. And Paul clearly comes against that idea and says, no, absolutely not. It, it is interesting, though, how extreme piety and idealistic lifestyles can have great appeal to mankind, um, uh, abstaining from different things throughout our lives. Uh, we've even seen it come into the Christian church at different periods of church history. We have the ascetics and the monastics who live lives of celibacy. And, and it's interesting. I was watching a movie not too long ago, and it kind of reminded me of, of this. There's, uh, it's actually Rick's favorite movie. Uh, great movie. I think it's on Netflix right now if you want to go watch it, but it's called The Last Samurai. And um, Captain Olgren, an American captain, has been brought over to Japan to train their troops as they're now receiving firearms to come against the samurai. Well, Captain Olgren gets captured. He spends some time with the samurai. And then when he comes back, he's speaking with one of the Japanese imperialists, Omura. And Omura talks to him about uh, Katsumoto, I think is a, the main leader samurai's name. And he, he asks him about his time there. And Captain Olgren tries to brush it off and says, you know, they're, uh, they're savages. I've dealt, with different, I've dealt with savages before in America basically. And Amura looks at him and challenges that idea and says, uh, but none who are samurai, their ways have great appeal. And it's true. And, and I think this comes from a deep need and desire to try and reconcile ourselves before God. We think by living in a certain way, by following some code or, or some kind of ethic that we can achieve a status of righteousness before God on our own merits. That's why these lifestyles are so appealing to us at times. But the truth is that there's nothing that we could do that would make ourselves righteous before God. Isaiah talks about this. All of our good works are nothing but filthy rags that are thrown before the Lord. And the only thing that is accepted before his eyes is the perfect work of Christ. That is why we place our faith in Christ. We look to his work to bring us into salvation, not any specific lifestyle. So I, I think having the desire to be married and pursuing a chaste life, thinking that it will bring about some form of righteousness like the church has in the past, or people in the church has in the past, I don't think is, is a good thing and is actually contrary to the gospel. And it's not looking to Christ for freedom, but our own, um, 
idealistic or pious lifestyles. So another thing I would hope we understand more than anything in reading these passages, I don't think it's a guide or, or a very strict way to say the Christian should be living, to marry, to not to marry, but a reminder to us all of the freedom we have in Christ. I believe that's the main point of 17 through 24, because there are so many things that the culture at large, and even the church culture, where we are all guilty of this too, can sell people constantly. And, and none of these things will satisfy us oftentimes in the way that we are hoping that they will. As you read through the verse in 17 through 24, Paul talks about the uncircumcised, the circumcised, the freedman, the bondservant, and how um, all these different things are statuses that we can identify with our identify with in order to give us some kind of value, even in the church. But the truth is, a, a great job, a sweet car, a smoking hot wife, a beautiful home, and a 401k are not the marks of Christian maturity or a ladder to be climbed so that we can stand up at the top and say, hey, God, look what I did. L look, how, look how I've been slaying it out here. Look what Paul says in verse 19 when he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision. He's saying that neither of them are of importance in the economy of God, but instead keeping the commandments of God. It's not the materialistic ways in which we divide and identify ourselves, but it's the way in which Christ is working in us to obey his law. What's funny, we had the, the 2020 census went out and many ways to divide ourselves up over something like that, whether with our economic status, our relationship status, our race, ethnicity, all these different ways that we can divide ourselves up. But God, God's desire is that we would ultimately find our identity in Christ, that we wouldn't be looking to all these things to divide ourselves up, single, married, or otherwise. Why can Paul say in verse 24 that we should remain as we are called? And that, that's interesting because, I mean, as you look around, so many people are striving for so many different things. Uh, there are countless dating apps, some much less holy than others, but there are many people who are trying to get married. There are many people who are trying to improve their financial status in life and all these different things. And Paul says yet in verse 24 that there's no need to go pursuing all these different things, that we can actually have satisfaction now in Christ through the grace that he has given us. There's nothing more that needs to be added to life. The truth is we're not missing out on anything. Um, for the single person who does want to be married too, they're not going to get to heaven and live in eternity with regret that there was something on this earth that they missed out on. And, and I've said this before that there's many things that I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to in life. But the truth is I, you know, I may not experience those things, but I'm not going to be in eternity with God saying that I wish I was able to watch the next season of Stranger Things. The truth is I could forgo that and I would be perfectly satisfied in Christ. There's nothing that this earth offers us that we won't receive eternally more of in heaven with father. So Paul says, you know, you may be a bond servant, but are you not free in Christ? You may be single, but aren't you united to Christ? And the truth is you, you may be married now, but there's a reason why we say till death do us part. The sad reality is, is that some of us walking around on this earth right now are no more than a terrible phone call away from being single again. We may be separated from our spouses in this life, but we will never be separated from Christ and the love of the Father, those whom God has called to him. I honestly believe that what Paul says as we move down to verses 25 through 34 were more true for the first century church um, than it was for us for a couple different reasons. 
Uh, the, one, he talks about the Great Distress. There are many different commentators. D.A. Carson especially says that there, there might have been a famine going around in, in Corinthians that may get, provide a little bit more context to what Paul is talking about in here. Um, and the persecution of the early church in the first 300 years, uh, the, the reality of it is that uh, it's a mercy of God that many of us will never have to make some of the hard decisions that some of those early Christians had to make between God and their family and loving both. Um, as they would suffer all kinds of persecution and oftentimes death. But there is still incredible application here because as you move through 25 through 35, you see Paul talks about the anxieties of a, of a married man and the anxieties of a married woman and the anxieties of single woman and a single man or those that are betrothed that are about to be married and where their anxieties are in pleasing the Lord. The truth is, I feel bad saying this, but the single man or woman probably has more time on their hands you know, it's, it's different from situation to situation, uh, but they probably have more time on their hands than the married person, especially with children. Uh, financially, you may only be responsible for yourself unless there's a loved one or friends that you're taking care of. And, and I, I think to my own life back when I was in single, I, uh, when I was single, me and Nicole were dating, but we weren't married yet. But even before we were dating, I decided to join the military. Then when we were dating, I deployed to Afghanistan. And it wasn't a decision that I talked over with my wife or anything. It was just something I went and I did for a year. I was gone. Then when I came back and I got married and the question was, well, do I continue my military service? Should I, should I extend even longer? Now all of a sudden it became a discussion because it wasn't just me anymore. There was now another person in my life that I couldn't just go and do whatever I wanted. And now that I have kids, it's an absolute no. I'm not going to Afghanistan for a year. <laughs> um, but the truth is a single person is able to dedicate much of their time to the Lord. And this is why I think Paul is saying that this is a gift. It's something to be treasured. It's a time to work on being holy to God. I, I mean, if you wanted to, just logically, uh, this is more of a, a logical argument, but if you wanted to go overseas and do missions or um, maybe be a, pl a church planner in another country for many, many years, you can do that. Uh, not very many people you need to talk to. Maybe your your pastor and get some wisdom in doing that. But if you're married... Uh, you better have a conversation with your spouse and make sure your family's on board or else you're going to find yourself in an interesting moral dilemma because permanently leaving your spouse and children to go do church plants in a foreign uh, country permanently um, is not laying down your life for your bride, in my opinion. Uh, just abandoning your family um, for this holy ideal I don't think is good. So in a sense, the single person has a little bit more freedom. And Paul even uses the language of free and Bound. He says bound to a wife. Some of us, we may be shocked by that language. Uh, after 12 years of marriage, I, I'm not surprised. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there, there is a lot of joy in marriage. There is. But as Paul says, there also comes worldly trouble, troubles and our anxieties are divided. As a single person, he says, you only need to worry about pleasing the Lord. I would argue as a married man, especially now with children, I feel like I'm being pulled in four different directions because I have God my, fam or my, God, my spouse, my children, and the employer, which helps provide for all these things. And I feel like I'm being torn apart, especially as we've been going through this quarantine. And I feel like I'm being pulled in all these different directions. As a single person, it's very easy to call up a buddy from college and crash on the couch for a little while while you get back on your feet. Um, as a married person, not so much. And with four kids, they better be a really awesome friend and have a lot of money because it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> so, so while I would say you may not be blessed with the gift of singleness, 
you have been blessed and gifted with a time of singleness that you can rejoice in the giftedness that God has given you to set him apart for himself during this time in worship and growth and godliness. I, you know, what's funny, I'm on a kind of a side note, but a Christian Facebook page I'm a part of, and there, there's these two gentlemen that just randomly decided to read through the entire Bible in one city. No sleep, no breaks, two guys in college just decided to read through the entire Bible in one sitting. Just a decision of the whim. There was no way as a married man with four kids I could ever just say, honey, I'm dipping out. I'm going to go read my Bible for 48 hours. I'll see you when I get back. So I just thought it was cool that they were able to go do that because I actually never lived my life as a single Christian man. I was getting saved around the same time I was coming into my marriage. So I, um, I didn't have that opportunity to, to grow in that way. So as Paul says in verse 34, the time of singleness you're in, he says specifically in 34, is a time to learn how to be holy in body and in spirit. And, it, and it's definitely a time to rejoice over. Some final thoughts as we close out. I do want to say this. Singles in the Christian church are not second-class citizens, just as no one else's. Look at Paul. Look at Christ. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 3.28. That should immediately demolish the idea of second-class citizens. We are all one in Christ. There is no Jew or Greek or free or slave, but we are all one. Also, I would say we all need to strive to be as Paul describes himself in Philippians 4.13. In the much, in the minute, we all need to strive to be as satisfied in Christ as Paul was, that when he prays to God to remove this thorn, that God can come to him to say and say, my grace is sufficient. The same grace that was sufficient for Paul is just as sufficient for you now in whatever status you find yourself in life, whether poor or rich or single or married, God's grace is sufficient for you. There is nothing to be done or earned. There is no rung that you need to achieve to where in which God will now accept you. The truth is, I, I'm sure that none of us are where we want to be. And if we, we can fully say that we are, it probably means we died and we're in heaven. Uh, we have to daily strive to rejoice in what the Lord has given us because the truth is that our very lives themselves and everything has been a gift from God. There, I, I've said this many times before. There was nothing before you existed you could have done to have earned life. But here you are. Just in the fact that you are living means that you've been gifted something by God. And his greatest gift, the salvation through faith in Christ, that was earned not through our own accomplishments, but through solely what Jesus Christ did. It's something that we can find satisfaction here on earth now, regardless of status, and forevermore on into eternity. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll do the Q&A. Just as a reminder, um, there is a number up on the screen where you can text in your questions, and then I'll, I'll invite a couple people up here to join me. So, um, Emily, Father, I know that it can be difficult to be anywhere in life and desire something more. Uh, it can oftentimes feel as though we're, we're missing something. Maybe even anger and bitterness towards you. That you haven't given us the things that we believe we are entitled to. I pray that we would humble ourselves. And, and grow in gratitude and greatness for what, all the things you have given us. Everything that is a gift. I pray that you would open our eyes to the things in our lives that we don't recognize are gifts. And thank you for the greatest gift you have given us. Your grace through Jesus Christ. The life that none of us could live. We all know this now, God. We couldn't have lived the perfect life through which Jesus did. We thank you for sending him. We thank you, Jesus, for living that perfect life, for dying the death that we deserved, and for reconciling us to God. 
We pray that we would find our identity in our new relationship as a child of God and not whatever the culture or even the church around us would define us as, but we would live in the freedom that you've given us. Amen. Awesome. Now we have some questions that we are going to go over, a, a time of Q&A. If you have any questions regarding singleness um, or just anything that was covered here today, you can text them in. And then we have Natalie and Matt. I don't know if I need to say last names, if that matters. Okay, so we got Matt and Natalie here to answer uh, questions. And uh, they're up here because they're single. And this may surprise some of you, but there was a time in my life where in which I was, probably why Rick asked me to do this. Um, but we are going to attempt to answer any questions that you may have um, regarding singleness. So, Oh, I'm sorry. This is the wrong one. Okay, first question. And you guys just take it as you feel led. What have been the greatest blessings from singleness in your life? I think the greatest um, blessing from singleness in my life is having um, the time and the capacity to pour into others. Um, I think that I won't really have that as much um, when I'm married or with kids. Um, and so during this time, I think the biggest blessing has definitely been, um, yeah, just having that time to, um, to minister to others and um, like lead a small group, help lead a small group, um, lead a D&D. I don't know. I don't know what my bandwidth will be when, um, when I'm married, so, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I totally agree, and as Ronnie mentioned um, and in the passage about being divided, and as a single, I have um, all this time to pour into and disciple others to lead a group with Natalie uh, to do a D&D, &D, and those opportunities and those relationships that you maybe don't get to make uh, when you're married and have kids. So yeah, not being divided and having all that time to pour into other people is, uh, is an amazing blessing. Thanks, I think that's good. So we have a live question that just came in. For those not called to singleness, what is the importance of being evenly yoked with someone? I think it's very important. <laughs> you wanna explain what that means, evenly yoked? I think right off the bat, um, definitely being with another believer and somebody who um, who believes in the same gospel message, right? Um, so that's what equally yoked means to me. So I think that would be ultimately the most important. Um, I won't choose to be with an unbeliever due to that. Correct. That's right. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking of this when I was when I was doing the sermon. I was going to mention it, but I, it just kind of skipped my mind. But that that reminds me. I pray for my kids now every night that God would prepare a spouse for them even now who would love Jesus more than they ever loved, you know, my kids even. And uh, as a father, if my sons or daughters were coming up to me looking for a spouse, my eyes would immediately go to those single Christians serving the church because their service to the bride of Christ will be a, a very strong reflection of how they will love my son or daughter. So especially, especially the men, um, if my daughters came up and that dude was not serving in the church, I am... Probably going to try to steer her away from that, that gentleman. Um, yeah. So next question. This one just came in. How, how can you encourage single friends in the church without coming across as apathetic or belittling? Well, I'd say for myself as someone who's single, I can empathize and sympathize with them and encourage them and what it looks like to have a different um, 
we have a different gift, uh, as Ronnie also talked about. Right now, your gift is singleness. Doesn't mean you're gonna be single forever. And again, if you have that desire in your heart for a spouse, I think God gives good desires to his children. Um, so just being encouraged and walking, that's, I mean, discipling people is walking with them through that and being like um, someone who can relate and encourage them, hey, like, this is just the life and the gift you have now, and do your best to glorify God because your ultimate hope's not in your spouse. Um, let me ask this too. Um, on, on that same last question, how, how would you say, either of you, that you would encourage maybe somebody who is married to not come across as apathetic or belittling? How, how, how can a married person in the church love our singles? I guess is what I'm asking. I think that they can encourage them to live in the season that they're in right now and realize and recognize that God's timing is ultimately above our timing and way better. Um, and so um, just because they're in that, that season um, doesn't mean that they, like marriage isn't something that you earn. Um, and so I think that because they've been blessed with marriage, it doesn't mean that we won't ever be blessed. And so uh, with that, Maybe, <laughs> but um, so I think encouraging them to live in that season and to, um, um, yeah, do what they can in that season that they're in. And I would add, yeah, and Ronnie, again, mentioned, he answered a lot of these, which was really good in the sermon. Um, it's not a, to be single isn't like better, being married isn't better, they're just different parts in life. So as someone who's a married couple who once was single, and is living this married life, um, they can also talk about the, I mean, there's ups and downs and struggles with either way. Um, and as a married couple, it's like, hey, it's not, life, life isn't perfect now that I found my spouse. And to re, like, that's all I've heard my whole life is like, life doesn't get easier when you get married. Um, and just be reminded of that, that like, that's a different type of, um, um, that's a different, um, sorry, the word, um, challenge that you'll face with marriage, and there's different challenges with singleness. So it's just um, resting in where you're at and knowing uh, there's, there's different parts to each side. Good, yeah. Um, then I have another one. I think I got one sent in as a joke. I'm not gonna read that one. <laughs> uh, be what is one. the balance between looking for the right person and being overly picky? Mm. Um, I would say, um, first of all, the picky part is people that have like their ideal person that they're gonna like, once I find this person, um, then I'll be happy and, and when they meet all my requirements for my list, first of all, that person does not exist. <laughs> and just knowing that like, um, with the idea of like um, finding the right person, in the church community, like if you found someone that um, by getting to know people and being in community and building relationships, I think that's how you find uh, the person that you want to be with, not this predestined like I know who that person's going to be when I find them, but more live life uh, in the church environment, in community, and that will grow into, friendships will grow into something more, so... Yeah, and I think that we're also, um, we're all sinful, we're all imperfect people, um, but looking for good character and compatibility is, um, I think there's that line between being too picky, but also um, 
looking to see if they have like a heart for, for God and, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, next is what if someone has been single a long time and are really frustrated? How would you speak the gospel to that? Um, I would say as someone that I don't know what a long time means, uh, but I single and been single for a while and I won't say that it's like not hard, um, but continuing to just reassure myself in God's plan and that his plan's way greater than mine. And maybe I want something right now, but there's a reason that it's not happening and just trusting in him. And the more I dive into my community and scripture and, and prayer and focus on my ultimate hope is in him and not in a spouse that that's what gets me through challenging times of, of being single. Um, how do you reconcile with where you thought you would be and where you are in life? Middle-aged, single, hoping to be married with kids by now, maybe? I've struggled with that a lot um, over my life. Um, and so I think that ultimately realizing that, um, that God's timing is, is best. Um, I don't want anything if it's not from God, if it's not um, in his timing. And so I recognize that I've gone outside that and tried it, to do it on my own before, and it doesn't work. And so um, I think that, that ultimately recognizing that his timing is best. That's how I've reconciled that. Anything else? No? All right. Um, Rick wants to know. <laughs> I'm calling him out. If, is Matt Russell aware that there are multiple single women in the whim, in the room right now, three to be exact? Are you aware that there, I'm are aware. Are you able to see and identify the single women? Yes. I'm okay. Okay. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Okay. How do you date in the church? This is the last question. How do you date in the church? Uh, I would say, and I kind of addressed this earlier, it being in community and getting to know. Uh, the people, the, um, as men getting to know women and women getting to know men, um, especially with the idea of friendship and getting to really know who they are, I think that's how you build um, a relationship with someone to know if that's someone you want to date and then just being serious about where God is leading you, praying about it, and ultimately um, doing, do, going about it in a very mature way and um, knowing that you guys are in the same community and church together and um, really making sure it's something that um, you're being led to. All right. Well, thank you both for coming up and answering questions and from your perspective and everything. And uh, we're going to turn it over to the worship team now. And we love you guys, and we look forward to seeing you all in person, but we'll see you next Sunday.